spoken me. He lurked in the shadows, waiting and hoping she wouldn't take a different room. This was a usual room. He knew that. He knew her. Ghost of Me, the new book by Amanda Steele, can be found at Amazon, Kobo, Waterstones, and many, many other places. Hi guys, it's Andy N. Thanks today for downloading or streaming yet another episode of Spoken Label. As you may or may not be aware, Spoken Label was started in the beginning of 2006, and currently we have well over 150 sessions recorded and sent. Although you can find it on various networks, the full archive is available for streaming and downloading at Spoken Label full stop, bandcamp.com. It is a free download or free stream in there. But obviously, if you feel like chucking me a few pennies that way, it would be eternally grateful to help me keep this podcast going and keep improving my equipment, etc. Enjoy. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, guys. Andy and Spoken Label. Back in the house again on Zoom tonight. And I've got a dear, dear friend of me at the moment on Zoom. And... Since I've been starting off, I spoke like four and a half years ago now, I've been trying to get this gentleman to do, do a session for me. And he's like trying to get hold of the plate, he's trying to get hold of this gentleman, he's absolutely busy. He makes me look like an amateur. Is that true, Jeff? Well, I think it's a joint effort. We keep saying, yeah, we'll get together. And then because we know each other that well, it doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. So the gentleman in question is, um, is Jeff Rama. Now, a.k.a. Bolton's finest punk poet. Okay, we always hear it says Bolton calling, so I'm saying Denton calling tonight, that's where I am. So, but yeah, Jeff, we first met, was it 2008, we reckoned before, wasn't it? 2008 when I started uh, writing and performing, so yeah, it's got to been so around we, then, it's uh, freed up and right out loud and then, then kind of night. Yeah, it just kind of, it kind of expanded to us, didn't it? Because I, I was trying to work this one out when exactly we first met, and I can't remember, can you? I can't remember the specific night, no. No. Same goes to Gordon Zolder, obviously, my friend Gordon Zolder. I know we met him at roughly about the same time, both at Freed Up. Now, the first concrete memory I've got of you, apart from Freed Up, was I know you used to go to our night, the Poets and Dot Dot night, didn't you? That me, obviously, like Gary Morris and Amanda Speakman used to run. Because you, yeah. you, you ended up taking on the MC into first, didn't you, after, after we lost them? Yeah, but they had a couple of comparing them. They're the rugby club. Yeah, well, it was a good day. It's a good day, that one. No good days, then, actually. Yeah, I was looking back at, um, on this one. I got to, did I ever send you the video over of the first night? I've seen a few of them, and they're still on YouTube, aren't they? Yeah, I put them up. Cause if somebody sent me something, that's why I remember that one well. So, that's good days, that was. But obviously, back then, Jeff, you started 2008, like set. And um, you started, I think you started off with um, Half Evil Promotion around about that same time, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a bizarre start to everything, really, because I'd, I'd never really written anything before. Um, as you know, I used to, uh, well, before I, I met you, um, I wasn't writing anything. I'd been drinking too much, and I kind of came out of all that thinking I need to do something different and started writing. And um, it was kind of uh, developed from that, really. And, uh, friends of mine, Bob and Jules and Jules, who I knew really from going to gigs and watching 
local punk bands. Um, one of the duels is played guitar, as you know, and sang. And then we kind of thought, well, you know, Jeff's getting into the poetry. Jules was uh, an accomplished singer-songwriter in her own right. She was too really um, good. Yeah. very good. And so we thought, well, let's see what's out there. And uh, shall we put some gigs on, which we started doing at the Blue Boar. And then we come up with the name Half Evil, just for something to call our events. And it, it took off from there. And uh, from just organising a night where we had three or four poets, uh, we then got musicians in and we kind of alternated and we always knew that Jules and myself would be there. So there was always us to lead on the poetry and the music and then get a few guests on and it worked well. And then we went on to organise massive gigs like the, uh, the Band for Babies thing at the uh, Bolton Soundhouse and yeah, raised um, a thousand pounds for the uh, local uh, baby unit at the Bolton Royal Hospital. I remember you doing that one. Oh, blimey. Yeah. Like a few years, yeah. yeah. And then, like, yeah. I was like, that's what's yeah. happened yeah. to you, isn't it? You've done, you've done so much gig going around over the years. You're, you're, you're a veteran on it, really, aren't you? Because you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. like, you've been running right up our Bolton now for what? Eight years? I'm, I'm not sure. It might not be quite that long. Probably six, I'd say. But sometimes it's longer than you think, isn't it? But. Yeah, yeah, over several venues, I've lost track, but yeah, about six years doing right out loud. Yeah, we had With a, um, Gordon Zola, of course. Yeah, of course, and yeah, of course, Gordon Zola, yeah. Because you did it at Butterflies originally, didn't you? And then you went over that, to that, um, that pub at the back of yours where you lived, and I forgot the name of it. Yeah, um, I think I took it over, and uh, we, we went from the Howcroft to uh, Butterflies. That was it. And, and then uh, the Wellington... That was uh, not far from me on Berry Road. Yeah, I know the Wellington. Uh, Brooklyn. The Brooklyn, I the Brooklyn, that was it, yeah. And where are you at nowadays in Bolton then? And all them places closed down, so. Uh, <laughs> I know. You're... A bit of a, bit of a voodoo sign over it, but now we're at Bolton Socialist Club now, and uh, it's, a, it's a great establishment, and it's where we do lots of gigs anyway. And uh, we have a, a really nice laid back poetry evening now. It's not so much a gig; it's it's a it's a kind of poetry get together, dead relaxed, and uh, you know everyone's welcome. There's not as much pressure as, say, like you know the Wigan nights and things like that, where you're staging a night, you know. Yeah, it's very good for new people, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's good. You get you get a good picture there, like of the veterans, don't you? Like us, or people have been obviously like just testing your material out all those first times, even really, aren't you? So. The other good thing about it, though, is that we've met um, a lot of writers, was there a lot? We've met quite a few writers at the Socialist Club who we wouldn't have known were really into poetry had I not asked if we could move it to the Socialist Club when the Brooklyn closed. Oh, and, right. um, well and you knew the Brooklyn was going to close. And to be honest, the nights were going a bit quiet. And I thought it's best moving now. So. It was a couple of years ago, I said to um, Socialist Club, can we move our nights over? And um, they said, yeah, so well, quite a few people at the club have got involved, like John and Chris and um, Sylvan and uh, other people, you know, who might never have... Uh, and they, they like, love it. They absolutely love it, you know, and that, that's brilliant. 
That's why it's a good event. If people have ever been to, ever wondered where it was, because it's the location of the Japanese, it's a lot better because it's it's right in the centre of Bolton. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it suits you quite well for where you are, really. Just yeah, it's it's you know it, it a lot of a lot of writers do tend to be on the socialist side of things, yeah. very left wing. Yeah, and because of that, the socialist club is, you know, it couldn't be more suitable, and it's a historic building. And um, what been over a couple hundred years, hasn't it? Cause I remember last time I was there, I saw the plaque outside it. I remember it's ended. Yeah, eighteen eighty-six, I think. It's actually the oldest socialist club in Great Britain. Blimey! Which is a you know a bit of an accolade, isn't it? Oh God, it's something proud of that one, mate. Completely proud of, yeah. Yeah, completely. Now, obviously, in relation to gigs, wise, obviously, I would, I would something I want to touch on you today because if people ever know you, you're a busy man. Like I am a busy man as well. Now I know, obviously, you you have a big hand in the Wigan Diggers Festival, don't you? So you're on the committee in that. How did you get yeah. involved with that? Um, the Diggers thing, yeah. I mean, to be honest, the, the Diggers thing has been um, a privilege to be involved with. It, it's not just something you kind of do, and you just have to think about it once in a while. You've always got to be thinking about it, volunteering, attending the, the meetings, the monthly meetings, and having input into what's going to happen at the festival. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it, you know, so you, you, you kind of get involved, and, and, you know, you're really involved, or, you know, as much as you want to be, really. But it, it's, a, you know, a committee of the volunteers, and, um, you know, the festival takes place in September in, in Wigan, as you know, and... Um, it's a great event, but I, I think I first went along to it um, perhaps about seven years ago, I think. Must be, because like um, like I remember our old band Mies and M played in there, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Probably seven, nearly nearly eight years ago. In fact, it's, yeah, I think it'd be uh, nearly eight, because um, I went with Tracy, the first one, and um, we... We went along, and I think somebody had told about it. Bob told us about it, probably through um, the guys in Wigan, you know, like Bob Kettle and, and all them guys who, yeah, who, were, like who were in the in the bands and what have you. And because we were going um, to the poetry nights at the Tudor with John Toa running it, and and, I, and I'm sure the Diggers Festival thing must have cropped up at that. And uh, so I got told about it, and and we went we went along, and uh, it was a beautiful day. I remember it well, and. Uh, it was a beautiful day. Tracy and I went along and we thought, wow, this is fantastic. A free festival and um, and it, it, the atmosphere was just absolutely beautiful. And um, from that, um, I kind of asked a bit about it and went along to the next committee meeting and started getting involved and, uh, you know, ended up, you know, nowadays, I, you know, as well as, you know, doing the work behind the scenes, um, you know, I helped to uh, compare it and, and manage the main stage with uh, Bob and Damien. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's a great experience. The people you meet, it's, it's incredible. Okay, and what you've, that you've done also, that is people are interested in knowing, like, you, you've started, with, you were responsible for the Bolton Diggers Festival and the Walmart Festival, weren't you? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, from, uh, from that, from the, doing the Wigan Diggers, I think the year after, um, there was talk of like, you know, could we put a warm-up event on? 
And um, so I volunteered to do that. And the first one was at uh, the Dog and Partridge. And uh, it went okay, but the, the weather was a bit like changeable during the day. So we was in and out, in and out. Uh, but it went all right. And then um, after that, um, I started going to Bolton Socialist Club more. And I asked them if I could use their venue. So we yeah. have it now, kind of end of July, usually. Not sure about this year, obviously, but we have it kind yeah. of end of July. It's a bit Who more. Knows shit, yeah. yeah, it's just acoustic poetry, but we have a great day, and it's kind of a get awareness and a bit of a fundraiser. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's good fun. I said, I know you were. I don't. Yeah, I know you were involved at one point doing this, doing the gigs for Bolton Food and Drink Festival. I don't think you do that one anymore, do you? So. <laughs> The Bolton Food and Drink was, um, yeah, it was. It, it's a great, great event, and uh, that's kind of ex- <laughs> as well as having food and drink. Yeah, they have uh, a lot of music, and um, I've I've run a couple of well, I've run the stage, the kind of like the more acoustic stage, if you like, uh, probably about about three or four years, but um, I didn't do it last year because. Um, we, we were going on holiday for one thing, and Dawn, who runs it, who normally asked me, um, the year before, she said, we, we only need two hours filling, so, you know, we kind of don't need you to run a full day, but by all means, come along and compare. So I did that, and that, that was that was great as well. Um, but it's kind of um, expanded now into uh, quite a big thing in that they, they get something like 100, it's one of the largest food and drink festivals in the country, and they, you have something like nearly two hundred thousand visitors over four days. Yeah, I've been up there. I've been up there. Last year, last year, the airport wasn't. Oh, it was too much. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, great experience. Mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, when the when the weather's nice, it's beautiful. But they've got a main stage now with bands on, and then the the kind of uh, the beer garden stage, if you like. So it's a fantastic event, and uh, I might be involved in it again if if um, if Don you know asked me to do it, but. Um, it's kind of one of them things where it doesn't need much planning. I just say who we've got in on, got on. And it, it's a chance for me to put on who I know who isn't known by the, uh, the Dawn and the rest of the people who put the other stages on. Yeah, yeah. No, it does really well. You do really well, on it? I know that. And then, obviously, touching on, if anybody wants your poetry, it's the poetry podcast, to a degree, haven't we? But obviously, like, you're known for really for your punk poetry, aren't you? So... And this is for you. It's a lot of this is going to your musical taste as well. Everyone knows you. You're a real punk rocker, really, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I love the um, the punk ethos. The not not it's not just the music, although the music obviously I love. Uh, but yeah, that inspired a lot of, of some of my poems. You know, like it's the whole thing of punk rock being doing it yourself. So yeah. you know, punk, you know what you're doing now. You know you. You're doing all this yourself, and it's that punk ethos. Yeah, You're not yeah, waiting for a, a massive conglomerate to come and sign you up. You want to do it, and you get out there and do it for people, and you do it for yourself. And uh, and that's what the punk ethos is all about. And, um, yeah, it inspires a lot of the things that I do. And, uh, obviously, I love the music, and I still go watching all the bands. Um, but it, it's also inspired the way I perform. So... Although I write some serious stuff, as you know, a lot of the early stuff that I did was quite, you know, 100 mile an hour in your face because I was supporting a lot of the punk bands and they wanted me to come along 
And I think there's only punk bands where you can do it. You, I don't think you could do what I do, um, supporting like a heavy metal or prog rock band. The punk community want to see people doing something and they want to see uh, variation. Um, and I think more that more than others. And that's no disrespect to uh, other people, but I, I think they, I think a lot of the punk uh, community have had a go at it themselves, and and they want to see people doing different things. And um, it, it always goes down well. And it, it and it kind of when I did start doing it, it had to be hundred mile an hour. Otherwise, you know, they they kind of expecting John Cooper Clark. And if it's not like that, then you know, sometimes it could be a bit hard work, but always very well supported. And people would listen to you and say, wow, that, that was fantastic what you did. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it all, it all fitted in, really. Yeah, it's a good natural progression for you, really. And that's why two two videos we'll talk about to then conclude with this part is, first of all, obviously, I know you've done two books to date, haven't you? And yeah. that's where your books come from. The books are at some of the punk ethos, weren't they? And it's an actual extension where you headed to next, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first one, Loud and Proud, and opens up with the me, um, poem that I, one of the first things I ever wrote, which is still at the end of most gigs, um, Punk's Not Dead. And um, yeah, the music might be a bit old dated, maybe, but it's still around, but the ethos of punk isn't yeah. dead. And How long ago was it? When did you do your first book, then, Jeff? Was the first book six, seven years ago, Darren? Yeah, it's probably seven years ago now, I think. Yeah. And, and then, when, um, Bob McCauley, yeah, yeah, so, Bob McCauley, was it three years ago, was it? I know it, it takes me a couple of years. Now, yeah. It takes a couple of years, and I know you were telling me off mic before, you can, you're getting ideas together with your third book now, aren't you? So. Yeah, um, it, it's funny, um, actually, you know. It, this involves you, Andy, because um, oh, <laughs> no, oh, I think uh, because because I started writing after a particularly dark time in my life. Mm -hmm. it, it's a revelation, and everything I do is a bonus, and that that's why it doesn't bother me about having you know big success or anything like that. Anything I do is a bonus because you know I might not have been here by now. And that's, that's the truth of the matter. But when I first brought that first book out, I, I remember saying to you at the time, because you helped me with it, um, producing yeah. it and, and, and putting it together, because I had no clue what was going on. And if you remember, it was I think it was just after the joint book that you and I had put out as a means to an end. Oh, good grief, yeah. So we had that out, and then I wanted to get this book out. And I think I said to you at the time, I said, look, Andy, I'm just happy that I've done this book and I'll probably never do another one. And you said, oh, I bet you do. And I said, no, I'm not bothered. <laughs> I know you too well. That's the difference, though. It's <laughs> but once I start getting more material together and writing a little bit different, writing a bit few more socialist rants, getting involved with a bit of a different audience, socialist club, a more folky crowd in that kind of thing, um, Things started coming together, and I had enough material um, for writing to the, the second book, which is called Bolton Calling, after my tribute to Bolton. But it includes a lot of different stuff from the first book, like I said, a bit more socialist stuff, anti-war stuff, um, that that kind of thing. A bit more serious, if you like. Yeah, I think you do, because 
I think when you start off lots with poetry, and me and you've done very similar, and Amanda's doing the same at the moment. I don't know what Trace is like this, so you can answer that one yourself. I know Amanda's got a couple of really quite known comedy poems, and you've got a couple, and I've got a few that are quite reasonably known for. But then you, you take, you get writing, go, you start thinking more complex, and it's harder, isn't it? As yeah. you're writing changes, you start thinking different ways. And that's why I think for yourself, is that's why you now you're with Bard Company. You're, what's it? What, how do, who, who described you as? Take that for the late 50s. Somebody's called you a lot that now. I can't think who it was. Oh, I, uh, we've been called a few things. <laughs> yeah, some somewhere well, we can't repeat on it. <laughs> well, the, I think we called ourselves the wrinkliest boy band in town. Or yeah. Now, obviously, we're bad company. We need to come onto that anyway. Practically progression. I know that's that was formed with you, Gonzo, Tony Kinsella, and Ian Whiteley. Now, where did bad company come from? Well, that was um, originally an idea of uh, Ian's. Oh, was it? I didn't know that. I'd, I'd got knowing Ian, obviously, through the uh, poetry circles and um, Write Out Loud and that, that kind of thing, and uh, Diggers as well, I think, as he was going to that. Um, and I think we were talking, or, or Ian got in touch and suggested to me, um, did, did we want to do kind of um a kind of well it wasn't talked about as a band at the time just getting um a combo together to do something similar to what the um the firm of poets were doing yes 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 remember the firm of poets i knew about last of them you were lost as well so um yeah i, I mean yeah. i don't know they're up to with anything but yeah john and um who was it genevieve and um there's about five or six of them on there, but you know, and, they, and they'd do the, and, you know, all great poets, and they'd do the, the show together. But we wanted to, and he said to me, "Do you think what do you think about doing something?" Um, so I, I thought about the idea, and then he said, and, "And who should, if you want to do something, who who should we get involved?" And um, I thought, "Wow, what a question!" Um, it was a bit like you know, taken aback. And uh, I had to think about it, really. But um, we, we wanted to, whatever we did, we wanted to do something different. We didn't want to be just um, another group of poets. You know, as, as good as what they were doing, and they seemed, you know, very popular. We, we wanted to do something a little bit different. And um, I think the idea was, was to try and, you know, get a bit of humour, a bit of music, poetry, and see what we could put together. Um, as you know, I, you know, as a result of um, playing, you know, doing poetry, I eventually learned how to play guitar, and we got together as a means to an end with Patrol, another band. So I said to Ian, well, you know, I can do a bit of music. We want to do a few cover versions, and um, who else shall we get involved? And um, we talked about um, asking Alan Gonzola and um, Tony. And um, and that that's kind of how it happened, really. Yeah. Um, and then we had a, a meeting to say, right, what we're gonna do? Um, we were at the Brooklyn, and what we're gonna be called? And we had all these suggestions for names, and, and then just tried to start knocking something together. And what we do now is developed, and you know, light years from what we started doing. Yeah, it was good. Thing, but um, 
as janky more the second album they've done like said is based on the standards that one isn't it based on the standards yeah very yeah. much um, social influences and inspirations over the over the centuries really yeah. the first album was a bit uh, a bit of that uh, don't get me wrong uh, but a few cover versions um, a few original tracks that we wrote and um, a, you know tracks that we kind of borrowed the music for and changed the words yeah so um, you know it, it was um, that was different um, but the, the second and, and we, re- we recorded it and uh, it, it come out um, pretty good um, the, the recording wasn't um, as, fun, as, as good as the second album but it, it was kind of because of the tracks and I don't know we weren't used to doing it so much at the time and maybe it was a little bit rushed with all due credit to the guy who helps us to do it um, but for the second one we kind of learned and we thought well what can we do that is going to be is going to last if you like um, you know because if you're doing stuff that's political obviously it can go out of uh, the news as quick as it comes in um, and so you know some of the tracks on the first album probably no longer relevant the idea behind the second album was that doing socialist in- inspirations from over- from in the past were always going to be socialist inspirations yeah, completely. that's what the album is based on yeah and you were selling me off mic before weren't you Obviously, when we get past lockdown, say, because I know you did have a lot of gigs lined up to talk the second yeah. album, didn't you? So, but it's very, very hard to judge what we're going to do next. Or anything really, definitely. So, like I said, obviously, like, when things get going again, that's the plan to obviously get this album toured. And then I presume the four of you will sit down and start working out how it is to the third album, then probably won't you? So, yeah, we've, we've started talking about um, subjects, um, people, movements for the next album, but. Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a shame, but obviously there's worse things happening, so it's kind of, uh, you know, in, you know, it doesn't matter in the scheme of things. But yeah, we had about uh, probably 11 or 12 dates lined up between now and uh, October, of which the first three have gone, um, obviously <laughs> gone, and, uh, you know. So yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what the next gig will be doing is, but We've got a couple lined up for the end of June, early July. So that you never know with them. Perhaps in the balance, but who yeah. knows? We'll know more by the time this session goes out. You probably like said this session will be out at the end of June, I reckon. So uh, yeah. if you're looking around like that, yeah, I get you just want to wait and see, Jeff. Don't get everything ready at the minute. So mm-hmm. if people want to find out more about you, where are they best going? Um, me, uh, well, me personally. Yeah, for you personally, <laughs> then we'll do that company, yeah. Yeah, for me personally, um, just Google Jeff Arama, Jeff with a J. Yeah, yeah I know you've got your bigger um, main account and write out loud, haven't you? And that's your yeah, I'll go on to the Write Out Loud website and just look for my work. Most of my, well, not all of it, but um, there's quite a lot of poems on there for people to read. So uh, feel free to have a look. Yeah, and if you want to find out more about Bard Company, your page. I know you've got a page on Facebook, haven't you? So, yeah, the Facebook page is probably the best. Yeah, and I also make sure everyone's aware of your two albums on Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it, and they they are there for. Uh, there's got um, a section on Ian's website, the Crows of Albion, um, for Bad Company as well, because Ian does his own stuff under the Crows of Albion banner. 
Um, but he's and he's got his own website for that. But there's a there's a section on the website for Bell Company as well. Good. Cool, sounds good to me. Right, Jeff, well, that's all my questions for you. So what we're going to do is, as we always do with Spoken Label, well, me and you will take a quick break and let Jeff get a few pieces ready for us. So hang around, everybody. Forearm is forewarned. I'll see you all soon, okay? Take care. Bye. Spoken Label. Hi, guys. Okay. Well, so I'm still here with Jeff, so he's going to do four points for us today. Over to you, my friend. Okay, thanks, Andy. Um, I'm going to start with um, a couple of uh, poems that are probably most recent on Write Out Loud. Um, I tend to write stuff that is reflective of what's going on in the world. And um, this one, first one I want to read to you, it's kind of like, a, it's a bit of a spiritual one, a bit unusual for me, but um, there you go. It's, and it's called God Grant Me the Serenity. And it's basically saying... You know, you can't change everything and sometimes you just got to hand it over and, uh, you know, and, and take a step back and look at things. Um, but it's, it's kind of commentary on what's happening in the world. And I see it. I watch in fascination as the clouds pass over the moon. Then I watch in disgust as another life is ended all too soon. I listen to the wind like a train it courses through the trees. Some hope it's a wind of change, but sadly not all, they're already on their knees. I enjoy the stillness of the calm before the storm, but that calm and the following storm is all too often becoming the norm. While some countries starve, others are ablaze. Was Nostradamus right with the predictions that he made? Searing temperatures and the ice caps start to melt. But I doubt they'll bat an eyelid in the stockbroker belt. The world is at war. Why? We only live once. It doesn't mean anything when you're dead and gone. I touch your skin. It's as soft as lace. Why can't the world match the beauty of your face? And for the times we take steps to change our ways. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Brilliant. Great start, that, Jeff. And it is very, very different for your piece, that one, because it shows you. Anyone knows your early stuff, and you can, I can remember you really like ripple stages. It's got a very it's a much softer sound for your piece, that thing, as well. So yeah. it's mistakenly, unmistakably you still, so definitely. Okay, what's your second piece? Uh, the next one I'm going to do is um, one that's a bit more up-tempo, a bit more me, and um, or recognisable from the live gig, me, I suppose. It's called Rock and Roll Love Poem. Um, so it's a, a poem that um, I wrote with music in mind, and I dedicated it to Tracy. Um, but it's also got a mention of The Cure, that my daughter, Anna, and uh, whose uh, favourite band it is, and it's kind of like something that I wanted to write that's fast-flowing, up-tempo. I can do it live, have a bit of a rant. And um, as you said in the, the chat before, Andy, it's, uh, it's got all kind of music references, which is, you know, what, what I love, really. Um, so, yes, yeah, see how many you can uh, spot. So, rock and roll love poem. 
Just like Chuck Berry, we can rock and roll. Like Tam Lamorto, we can dance with soul. Like UB40, I'd love you on the dole. And while I draw the line at Spando Valley's gold, I want you. We could sing and dance from pole to pole. Like Neil Young, you've got a heart of gold. And I'm a fan of your coconuts. Like Kid Creole, yeah, I've got to have you. But like a rock ballad without any power. The weather girls without a shower. And Blackpool prom without its tower. I need you. I could have you arrested for my heart that you stole. But like a team that can't score goals. And Wigan Casino without Northern Soul. I'm nothing without you. You're the top of my pops of that you can be sure. Never mind a date, we can go on tour. Take pictures of you, just like the cure. Make love in Vienna, but not with Midjour, because I prefer you. You've got my number, you know the score. You could be knocking on heaven's door. You light my fire, just like the doors. And like the buscocks, I love you more, because I love you. Brilliant. I remember, I remember just after your first time, you did that one live. So I can remember you get your axe mixed up from that one first time, but it's, it's yeah. been, been that's what you right, it's much more you that because the rhythm that carries in the piece and the music side of it. Yeah, so, you know. you've got the rhythm, but you've got to get the the connections in the lines in the right order, <laughs> otherwise it don't make sense. Yeah, exactly. I've seen, I've seen you get them completely back to the and that's <laughs> the fun when, when you're at uh, 100 mile an hour, it's easy done, mate. Oh, I just pack it up as I go along, you know. Nobody else knows anything. Exactly. So, uh, anyway, mate. Okay, what's your third one, mate? The third one I'm gonna do um, for two reasons is um, is called uh, "Give Me a Country That Cares," which I'm pretty sure I'm gonna use to the name for my third book, and it's a poem that I wrote um, quite a, quite a few months ago. No, probably. 12 months ago really um, and it was it's about how I would like from a socialist point of view the world and our country particularly to look or act or the way it should be and um, it's taken from a lot of inspirations of socialist um, inspirations in the past and um, I really wanted to do something with the poem and fortunately we've been able to put it on our current album as Bard Company. So it works as a poem on its own and we've also done a recording and uh, got to give credit to John Kettle who we've recorded um, our, our last album with. Um, he did a fantastic job with the production and, and the music. Um, but this is about um, what Bard Company stand for as well. It's not just me, we're all from the same ethos and uh, beliefs. And, um, you know, the, the poem kind of reflects that. Um, so I'll do that. Let's go, give me a country that cares. Give me a country that holds its head high. Give me a country that still has some pride. Or make it one that loves its neighbour, whether they vote Tory or Labour. No matter what the colour of their skin, no matter what buildings they say they're praising, their sexual preference or bodies that they live in. But give me those who made us who we are, the striking miners who still bear their scars. Give me the diggers, the levelers too, our brothers and sisters at Peterloo, 
give me the NHS and the welfare state, the socialist people, not those who hate. So don't talk to me with patronising words, wearing the mask of someone who cares. Don't talk to me like you understand when you've no idea of the lie of the land. Don't talk to me when you, like you've had it hard when you wouldn't even have it in your own backyard. No, give me Nye Bevin, Tony Ben. Give me someone with conscience in number 10. Give me the trade unions, the jobs they have saved, the anti-Nazi league, the international brigade. Give me rock against racism, red wedge and gay pride, the Jarrow marches, their banners held high. Give me the anti-frackers and CND. Give me those who fought at Cable Street. Give me we shall overcome freedom from persecution, bridges, railways, waterways, the industrial revolution. Orwell, Steinbeck, Luther King, Strummer, Guthrie, Seeger, let me hear them sing. Frederick Engels, Karl Marx, Indira Gandhi, Rosa Parks, Nelson Mandela, Malcolm X, the Tolpuddle Martyrs and the Suffragettes. All those comrades we will never forget. All those comrades we must never forget. Yeah, give me those who give a damn. Give me those who care. Those who inspire us with their deeds, not just with their words. Yeah, give me those who fight for the needy, not the parasites who side with the greedy. Give me those I can believe in. Give me those who keep us believing. And give me a country that cares. Cheers. Good stuff, Jack. Good stuff, mate. Yeah, that is pure. That's pure you that way you're right nowadays. I'm straight away, so great stuff. And I, I, it's well worth anybody listening to it here. Check, check out the Barber Company version as well, because it's yeah, very it's different, good. but it's still very you, if that makes sense. Very loud, yeah. The good oh. thing is with Barb Company, we've, we've been able to um, take certain lines each, so I'm not doing the full poem. Yeah. And it's kind of like more up tempo. And uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I do a line, Ian does a line, I do a line, Alan and then so on and so on. Yeah, you all it works really well. Yeah, it's that sort of piece, definitely. Okay, on to the conclusion. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right, and um, the final poem I want to do is um, it's, it's the, one of the newest things I've, I've written. And um, it's a tribute to the people who have kept this country running during this coronavirus crisis. And um, I wanted to do a tribute, but it starts off commenting on those who haven't contributed to this and those who have made things more difficult. Um, but the essence of it is to compare one against the other and tribute and you know give all the credit due to the people who have helped to keep us safe. Um, so it's called To You Who Gave Everything. To you with your empty words, hollow promises and lies. To you who ignored simple orders, stay at home, just stay inside. To you who scam the vulnerable, exploiting their struggle and plight. And you, the perpetrators of abuse, the fear you create is all we despise. 
you gave nothing, absolutely nothing, in our hours of need this tragic time. But to you, who kept the country running, you have our love, you have our pride. To you, who deliver essential goods and the thousands of miles you drive. To you, who stack the shelves, the shop workers on the front line. And to you, who stayed at home, clapping for carers on Thursday nights. To you, delivering posts and emptying bins, the length and breadth of the land. To you, in communities supporting folk who need that helping hand. To you, the volunteers and key workers, together you're making a stand. Selfless actions fighting an enemy, none of us really understands. And to every one of you, caring for the sick, every single hour, risking your own lives, never shirking your own duties once, despite the danger you might find. Yes, you, you who gave everything, you gave us hope in these worrying times. Our hearts are filled with gratitude. We owe you all our lives. Thanks. Great stuff, Jeff. Yeah, good way to finish off that tonight, definitely. So, perfect, mate. Well, Thanks. thank you again, my friend, as always. So, need a word to speak off mic, so obviously hang around a minute. But thank you again, Jeff. Thank you as always, my friend. And is Andy yeah. N signing out? I've had Jeff saying Bolton calling. This is Denton exit in tonight. So, <laughs> see you all soon, guys. Take care. Spoken Label. Thanks again for listening to another session of the Spoken Label. Our full archive can be found over on Bandcamp at Spoken Label. That's one word. Spoken Label. Full stop. Band camp.com and there is over 150 sessions there so i'm sure that if you've enjoyed this session there'll be something else there you can enjoy as well take care have a spoken later.